Hey, what's up? Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Business Life and Coffee Show. I want to give a quick heads up uh, that we did this interview over Zoom and the audio goes in and out a little bit, but I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, this interview is one that you really want to pay attention to. And I had a chance to review the footage. Not a lot is lost in the interview, but I just wanted to give you a heads up so that you could set expectations and make the most of your time listening to this podcast. All right. Well, I hope you enjoy this conversation with my dad about race, history, and just stuff you talk about with your father. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the Business Life and Coffee podcast. It's episode 250, and uh, I would have loved to do a live event, a celebration, something special. Uh, but instead, we're pivoting to something that is even more special than all of that. I get to have the person who's known me for all of my life on the show just to talk about, uh, have a father-son chat about George Floyd about racism, about his experiences. So I want to welcome, without further ado, my dad. Say hey, Vincent Price. Hey, Joey and fans. <laughs> uh, how's everyone? <laughs> it's an honor and a pleasure to be with you today. I could not have thought of anyone uh, that I'd like to spend my time with than my son, Joey Price. Yeah, and it's interesting. So. Uh, this may um, go over the heads of a lot of the, the younger folks that listen, but every time in school, I would send in like a, a, a permission slip or a, a, a parent paper. They would look at your name and say, Vincent Price, the the celebrity, the, what did he play, Dracula or something? Who, who was oh, Vincent? This is just like you've known me all your life. <laughs> and I've, long, I've known you all your life. I've been getting tagged by this Vincent Price seems like everywhere I go, especially after I, the kids that when I was younger, it really didn't hit much. And I really didn't get a lot of, of uh, questions and comments about my name. But then once I grew up and especially when I went into the military, it was like, no, nah, you're not Vincent Price. And I'm like, yeah, I've been Vincent Price all my life. <laughs> I know nothing else. But, uh, you know, I, I went to school with Elizabeth Taylor. And then when I was stationed at Blyville Air Force Base, they were going to do a, a an article about famous people who were stationed at the base with uh, who were named after actress, actors and actresses. And it was myself, Roy Rogers, there was Adele Evans, and uh, a couple others of notoriety. But uh, yeah, I I get it everywhere I go. <laughs> <laughs> so so and and you grew up down the street from uh, in Pittsburgh from what R Roberto Clemente? Yes, uh, Roberto Clemente lived on uh, Iowa Street when he would come when during the season, and I I still remember very vividly he had a sharp 1973 lime green and white coupe de ville and um but one thing i admired about him 
He was always approachable. He never was standoffish. And um, he was just one of the people. And in addition to him, back in the day, Gene Baker lived with my uh, longtime family and friends, uh, the Adams. Uh, Gene Baker and his wife lived on Adelaide Street, which was in front of our house. Oh, yeah. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah, and Willie Stargell, number eight, he he opened the uh, the chicken restaurant after the the riots down in uh, in Pittsburgh. We're around that time, kind of vague now because it's been some years. Willie Stargell, they were they were very decent people. They mm-hmm. were they were good men, and they were very good role models as well. You didn't hear a lot of you know things about them improper uh, behavior and so forth. Yeah, they were real gentlemen. Yeah. Well, and uh, let's let's set a little context about about you. I mean, you're my father, and you are a uh, former uh, U.S. Air Force uh, retired captain. Served in the public sector, private sector. Grew up in uh, in Pittsburgh um, when it was a, a different time. Yes, and uh, <laughs> and you're a, you're a dad. You're a you're a granddad, brother, son, all of that. But to you, what what was the what, what was the first thing that ran through your mind when you heard about George Floyd? Well, when I heard about George Floyd, immediately my heart sunk, and I I went like, "Oh no, here we go again." Mm. And I I do believe that yes, his his death. Well, what made his death even more tragic was that unlike back in the day when things of that nature took place during my time. Now, with the advent and the utilization of that, our our cell phones and the cameras, we're able to capture those unsightly, courageous, horrendous activities long before, well, while they're happening. And so the thing is, is back in the day, we didn't have that capacity. So as a result of that, and the disbelief and the non-cooperation of the of folk, it, it takes fire mm. to ignite action. People protested after all the other deaths. They even had fire. But there's something about this particular moment, this particular movement, that is unlike anything that I've witnessed in my lifetime. And yes, the civil rights, I was living and in, in living during that period. But um, people are more open and willing to get involved to try to make things right. But, you know, we always would say, well, when is enough? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I do believe, honestly, we're at that point now. Yeah. People are just sick and tired of hearing the same old rhetoric. And the Constitution is about we the people. And see, fortunately or unfortunately, we the people have not been listened to. And the only way that it seems that we are able to get our point across and people to listen to us is through supposed to be peaceful, nonviolent procedures. But it's when that spark hits. Yep. There's something about that spark that 
that moves and gets beneath the the, the soul. And I re, I recall one young lady, and that's what that's another thing that really impresses me now about what's going on, is that I'm seven. I'll be seventy one years old this month, but it it pleases my heart to know that the young folk who who have all this talent, fire, desire, they're they're ready. And if we, the older, the more senior folks, if we just kind of step back and and let them do what God has chosen them to do, they're going to be all right. And we're going to be all right. But we cannot go back to the past. We cannot go back to the way it was because the way it was in the past didn't get us where we're towards that mark that we really need to press toward. So, Dad, um, th- this moment in time with, uh, with with George Floyd, it highlights the racism and, and police brutality aspect of racism. But yes, I saw I saw I saw a meme uh, today on uh, Instagram. That said, you know, if you're here for the police brutality, just hold on because we haven't even gotten to the other aspects of racism, which is education, poverty, economics, and so on and so forth. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, your story and maybe even as a young boy, um, some of the other areas of racism that you experienced over the years, whether as a as a young boy, young man in the armed services as an adult in your in your in your golden years now what are what are some of the things that you've seen maybe in addition to br- police brutality well the thing is is that one point that really sticks with me and I think it will I'll take it to the grave is I remember the young ladies the little rock 9 yep who had to who entered the central high school they had to have armed escorts and then again you had a governor, you know, saying that, you know, over his dead body, would that happen in his state? And for the longest time, that's that was life in America. And I often say that where we really didn't realize how unfortunate we were or deprived as we were until we integrated. Uh, integration had some good points about it, but still there's trouble bubble that continue to bubble beneath the surface and until you face it until you come forward with it face to face it's always going to be nagging gnawing and just anchoring hankering to be released which brings me to when i went in the military race relations training was mandatory Mm. we had to sit in a room with people like us and others not like us and they would hurl these unfavorable comments and they would holler you know the n-word and things of that nature and they didn't want to be in here with with us and we would say well we don't want to be in here with you but somehow in the military we sort of worked through it but it was not fully reconciled because instead of them wearing uh, the cloaks and the dressings of the Ku Klux Klan. They wore business suits. They wore uniforms like I did. I had supervisors that in the military 
that um, I knew were were prejudiced and were racist. But the thing is, is that they, particularly the African American, they took, they got us in other ways. Uh, they made us look pretty much sound good on paper, but within that system, there was a system that, particularly on your APRs and OERs, you could have outstanding, fabulous rate words. But if that front picture had any deviation from the far right, you were not, you were considered bad, bad meat. Mm. And so when I came out, I endured that and overcame a lot of obstacles along the way. Some of them to mention because it stirs up bad memories. Mm. But um, it's something that I'm dealing with uh, because again, those were pretty much somewhat traumatic times. But you had to do what you had to do because at any at any and all cost, that mission came first and had to be done regardless. And so uh, I was blessed to have you guys, you and James, <laughs> and we made it through and we came back to the United States primarily so that um, you all could be introduced to a community of people who look like you. And that's how we ended up here in uh, Mitchellville mm -hmm. in Prince George's County. But I pray that um, you all, and I know you all are going to be okay for the simple reason of what's happening with the death or really the murder of uh, George Floyd. That not only opened up my eyes, but it opened up eyes of not only the United States, but it has had an impact throughout the world. This is a world crisis. This is a world situation. And we're dealing with these on both sides. You've got coronavirus on one hand, and you've got racism and police violence. And, but what's, I guess, the, the joy in my heart is if you suppress it and you never discuss it, nothing will ever change. And the changes that I live, I witnessed and I lived through during the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s and 2000s, mm -hmm. that's the change. It didn't come easy. Yeah. It took situations, national uh, awareness. But now, not in addition to that national awareness, folks are realizing what's happened here in the United States is unheard of. We're the leaders of the world. America is great. And we are. What's happening now is going to make it better. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned the, the uh, discomfort um, of the progress from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and, and 2000s. And I was talking with Candace. Um, people who listen to the show know Candace is, is my wife. So Candace. And I, I was saying, I, I have to get stronger because I'm thinking of the stuff that I'm doing, my little small part in in progress you know trying to uh make some things right in our city and uh through through our club and uh with some of the um being vocal of, about stuff through platforms that i have 
And right. if I can be honest, I'm I'm exhausted. But when I think about what not only you know the Martins, the Malcolms, the Rosas, but just the everyday African American, what they experienced and what they had to go through. I mean, I don't even think I could hold a candle to to what it took to progress uh, in, in earlier times. And so I said I have to get stronger because I know there's a lot more work to go and I can't let, you know, this minuscule work that I'm doing right now uh, feel like it, it's draining me from even doing more. Right. Don't, you know, it's not minuscule because it's just like one man alone can't make the changes that's necessary. It's going to take the multitude of people. And if you remember the story about Jesus and the, the five uh, fish and five loaves of bread, mm-hmm. fed a whole nation. Mm-hmm. Well, the same thing is here. That's, that is critical. You know, think positive about what you do. Every, any and everything that you can do to contribute to the betterment of society and man in the, in the human race is, is that, um, nothing's gonna, is gonna change if you don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Change comes about by folks doing something about it. Yeah. What would and you, these, these, and, and see, that has the admiration for me. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I'm listening. Okay. That, that has the admiration for me of seeing how articulate these young folks are, how focused they are. And they're not going to be moved or bullied or pushed around. They know what they they want. They're fighting for it. And just like in 1963, when Martin Luther, Reverend Martin Luther King, Reverend Doctor Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. declared that he had an "I, I have a dream" speech. You know that uh, the dream will not be realized. He knew. And it was revealed to him what was on the other side. And he, he also recognized that he would not be there with us. However, it's up to us and your generation and beyond to keep moving, to keep pushing, to keep doing until that dream becomes reality. Yeah. And I know one day it's going to do that. Well, um, speaking of everybody playing their part and in, in dream becoming a reality, what would you want listeners and viewers who are not black? What would you want them to know about uh, the progress we've made, but also the work that needs to continue? What would you what would you share with them? Well, the thing is, America, the progress that has been made is for the most part for the good. But really, everyone really needs to listen. Listen to what's being said. And at some point, if you fit in your heart, join in. Yeah, because, see, this is the world is a cosmopolitan of all races, all kinds, all situations. And everyone needs to to share and be a part of that that movement and what's happening today so that you all can have a better and brighter and Jordan can have a brighter tomorrow. Yeah. And Jace and Bailey. 
<laughs> those are my uh my 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 young family members that uh that my dad just mentioned what else we got um tell us about what it was like in pittsburgh because you and i have had conversations and it, it stuck with me you you've said before that integration wasn't you know the hundred percent best thing for African-American communities, especially the one that you grew up in Pittsburgh. And, and I, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that before then, we saw more business owners, we saw more leaders, we saw more uh, maybe, maybe community pride. But what was a pre-integrated uh, Pittsburgh like from, from what you remember, the good and the bad? Well, the thing is, is Pittsburgh is integrated has been integrated. But the thing is, it has its pockets. Mm -hmm. We have the Polish people who live in their, have their section. Uh, then Oakland is a conglomeration of Italians, Blacks, and others. Uh, Squirrel Hill is predominantly, at that time, was predominantly Jewish. Uh, and where I grew up, you know, it was the Hill District. And see, the Hill District, you had the Lower Hill, the Middle Hill, and the upper hill. We lived in the upper hill and the, the rioting and looting and all that took place in the lower hill, which that part of Pittsburgh that was there when I grew up is no longer there. It's been, it's been torn down and rebuilt and it's different. Mm -hmm. But the, the thing is, is that as an African American, in Pittsburgh, we, aside from, you know, the athletes, no, this, this is what, you know, you hear the adage, it takes a village to raise a child. Uh huh. In that era, that was very prevalent and it had meaning because if Vince Price and his boys were somewhere across town and they were in mischief, we got checked on the spot. <laughs> And not only that, they told us that they were going to contact your parents. And guess what? They did exactly that. So when we got back to the house, not only did you get last when you were out, you got last when you got home. <laughs> but the thing is, is everybody looked out for everyone. I went to school with kids who, who grew up with me in the Upper Hill. And then some, especially when I went to high school, we had kids from uh, Homewood which was another predominantly African-American area, but it was, you know, it was kind of crime ridden. Mm. Um, and Oakland, my high school was in Oakland. And so the thing is, is we would walk to school uh, and you had people taking buses from the outer areas, but we, they did not take school buses. There was, there was no school buses as there are today. And this, the school busing, that all came about as a result of the integration. And when I say, when I say that, I, I say that when we were poor and you didn't know you were poor was when we were in that community. And then when we started reaching and, uh, society was telling us, well, you know, you've made it when you can move to the outskirts like Penn Hills, Monroeville and beyond. Um, oh, you've made it. And what happened is, yes, 
the blacks who were in the, the hill district and so forth, they moved out. And then the, the white uh, Caucasian folks, after the majority of people had moved out of inner city Pittsburgh, they start moving back because they were making these long commutes day in, day in and day out. And, um, it just, and, and, and crime was, was lower and the city for all intents and purposes had been cleaned up. Mm-hmm. So yes, it made it very comfortable. And those were movements that were well established in the urban redevelopment authority and model cities programs that, uh, they had established and mo- urban redevelopment is still on the rise and making changes within uh, Pittsburgh according to the plans that were on the books. And see, one of the plans that I re- vividly recall is that a part of the urban urbanization and redevelopment in the, the lower hill was that when they built these housing complexes, they were supposed to have so many units set aside for um, Section 8 and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. But the people who made those deals and shook those hands at the time, they, when the plan was being executed, they were no longer in government. So the new regime says, well, we didn't do that. And so those are the kinds of things that happened. So the thing is, is we need to keep, continue fighting for what's right, for what we know we we're entitled to. Because again, if we're all created equal, then we should all be treated equally in the eyes of man. Yeah. Because that's how God sees it and that's how he laid it out. Yeah. I, when you share that story, it makes me think of the importance of having representation at all tables because even if the original handshakers left, if there was still someone there to fight for our interests, then there's a fighting chance that things may have gone on as promised and, uh, and not changed after, and see after the, the fact. The other thing, too, is that as long as when the corporate memory dies, then there is no more referring to, well, back in the day. So mm-hmm. the thing is, is we have, you, have, you need to get things done within your lifetime so that, and if you do see wrong, you need to step up and say something to make it right. Yeah. And if you can't make it right, you need to make a record and have it memorialized. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very powerful. So that you, you have anything else you want to share with, uh, with the audience here? I love you and I am glad that, uh, you raised me up to appreciate conversations like this. And I think, life has come like full circle because we used to ride in the car listening to <laughs> black folks talking on the radio. And here we are now two black folks talking on the radio. <laughs> yeah. The Joe Madison show. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh yeah. Well, the thing is, is talk radio. If we, the thing is talk radio has value. And again, everyone, the first amendment is very real. And no one can take that away from us. And when, when people try to deprive you of that right and try to, you know, not only deprive you, but kind of invalidate it, mm-hmm. they have no right because it's etched, engraved 
in stone, in concrete, in the, the Constitution of the United States. You have a right to stand up and voice your opinion. And, but there's a way that you need to do that. You know, be professional. Think about the, your fellow men and women. And above all, you know, believe in yourself. Because if you can believe it, and I know you remember this, if you can believe it, you can achieve it. That's right. That's right. It starts with belief. Where the, where the mind goes, the body follows. <laughs> right. And those are famous words as your mom. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get her on one, one day when, uh, one day soon we'll get her on the show. Yeah, but, that'd uh, be great. yeah. Well, love you, dad. Um, love you I know too. You're, you're living the good life. So if I ask you what you're about to do, you probably can say absolutely nothing and, uh, enjoy no. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't say absolutely nothing, but um, I'm going to do what mature people do and enjoy life. <laughs> <laughs> well, you earned it. You earned it, Dad. You earned it. Well, I love yes. you. Thank, thank you for being on the show. And um, thank you for uh, guiding me into the person that I am and the person I will be. And I wouldn't have wanted to... Uh, I knew I wanted to have you on the show at some point, and I think this was a great opportunity in light of everything happening. But uh, I, I, I enjoy the fact that I get to share my dad with the world in this uh, in this platform. So love you, and uh, I'll see you soon. We'll we'll have to ride by the house with our masks and gloves and all that corona <laughs> stuff. But all right, I appreciate you, and love you, and uh, a great show. All right. Love you, Dad. Take care, bro. All right. Bye-bye.